The title of my message this morning is Discipleship Growing Josie Beyond the Conversion Experience. Now, before I, I get into the message, I just want to give a disclaimer. It is not going to be an exhaustive message on discipleship, but I'm hoping to provide some kind of um, overview and I'm sure in the weeks and months to come we'll have opportunity to unpack the subject more and more. Shall we pray? Father God, we lift up this message to you this morning. I come before you, Lord, and I, yeah, I just bring myself before you, Father, and I say, do have your way in the message, Lord. Father, I pray that by your spirit you would cause this message to fall, this, this, the sea to fall on a fatal ground, Lord. Father, I ask that you would give me your sensitivity to your spirit to flow with what you're doing this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, on a Monday morning, I walk into, into the office, and one of my colleagues uh, walks in shortly after me, and then he says to me, Vim, you go to church? And I'm like, yeah, yes, I do. And then uh, he says to me, well, I don't go to church and I'm not intending on going to church. And then I said to him, yeah, he's, hey, 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 you didn't even say hi to them, you know, you know, what is the story? Okay. And so he basically says to me, I am very uncomfortable with the media reports, social media reports and videos and clips that are out there that have been going on regarding what's happening in churches particularly in South Africa, and I'm not going to go into the details. Some of you have got a clear understanding of what he, he was talking about. I'm talking about, about four weeks ago. All right. And then he says, forget it, I'm not coming to church. For as long as these things are happening in church, for as long as I don't see church as being authentic or the pastors or leaders of the church leading people in a manner you know that the bible says they should i will not be coming to church so we then get into this discussion around um you know some of those things and to be honest guys even i as a christian and i was like yes yeah yeah i too were embarrassed i too were uncomfortable about some of the things that have been happening in the body of Christ. And I think it's the very same thing with some of you, where you think, Lord, what's really happening? What kind of teachings are going on in the, in the church? And as I was preparing this message, I thought to myself, hey, I want to come to that place where we will see in the media a different, you know, different types of headlines, different types of discussions and conversations in the social media space. Amen. I thought to myself, these are the kind of headlines I want to see as I drive past, you know, billboards and etc. Headlines like, are we ready to show those um, headlines, Justin? Headlines like, hey, how about something like this? Joseph Fridays, the discipleship in Daba continues. Hey, you're just driving along Bears Nodia, you know, and then you see a headline like Joseph Fridays, the discipleship in Daba continues. And then you'll be wondering, what is this Joseph Friday? You know, what, what do these people really do? Another headline like Joseph Church, making disciples that make other disciples. These are the type of conversations, these are the type of headlines that I'd really want us um, to, to see. You know, how about something like, hey, Fairland, Daily News, Learner, Student, Apprentice, Jersey Church revolutionizes, discipleship was like, Lord, I really want us to become a church, I'd like the body of Christ to become, you know, uh, to be in a position where we begin to see this type of conversations in our community, in our, in our city. How about another headline? Mail and Guardian. 28, 18, 19, 20, your multi-generational pin. And I coined that from Matthew 28, right? From verse 18 to 20, when D Jesus talks about making disciples uh, of all nations. How about a headline like, City Press, Biblical Discipleship, the Future of the Church. 
So as I was thinking through this message, as I was thinking through the whole concept and notion of discipleship, I was like, Lord, I would like us to be a church. I pray, Father, that in the city, in the body of Christ, you would raise up a people, Lord, would really take your word for what it is, would really move in the power of your word and the commands of your word, not what we like, not what we think will appeal to people. I was saying, Lord, what is it that we need to do in the body of Christ that we need to do in the church that will deepen our roots in you, that will deepen our roots in your your word, that will make people really begin to have confidence in the church, make people want to become a part of us, make people really want to be, make people become attracted to the person of Jesus Christ. And I thought maybe as the body of Christ, we still have quite a bit of work um, to do. So the rationale of my message this morning is a couple of things. First of all, we are a movement as God Church. We are a movement of God honoring believers, progressively discipling nations. You see that on one of our, uh, our banners. We are a movement of God honoring believers who are progressively discipling nations. So for us, when we disciple nations, it's just no, we don't start with the nations. Discipleship begins with with us in the church. And I want to encourage us this morning, this message is just not for people out there. It's for us to actually also come to a place where we ask ourselves questions like, what are my discipleship gaps? You know, what are the things I need to work on? What is it that needs to happen within my own life so that I can also be able to effectively disciple others? Amen. So we are a movement of God honoring believers progressively. So this is continued. It's not a once-off thing. Discipleship is not a once-off activity. Discipleship is a lifestyle. We never say we get there. Discipleship is a a, a lifestyle, progressively discipling nations by communicating and demonstrating the kingdom of God. One of our desires is to disciple people, cities, and nations, and that's what we are for. Secondly, as part of the the rationale for this message, our strategy is go church, Joburg, is to transform the thinking of many generations. And how do we do that? By making disciples, by building families, raising leaders, establishing churches and transforming society. Third, Rishnah, we are passionate about equipping people to impact and reform society in their in the influence, in their in the sphere of influence. And that's really our heart. The Bible makes it clear in Ephesians 4 verse 11 that the role of the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, is to equip the believers so that they can actually do the work of the ministry. So that's why part of this message is also, it's just not, like I said, not for the people out there, but also starting with us that we may be fully equipped to actually go and make disciples. Fourth rationale, you've probably heard it said that Christianity in Africa is a mile wide and an inch deep. And the reason why it's been said of Africa that it is a, the Christianity is a mile wide and an inch deep is because it is a very, supposedly a very evangelized continent. When you think of or you study the history of missionaries, a lot of them came into Africa, the dark continent. So Africa, historically, has been hugely evangelized. But the problem in Africa is that it hasn't been adequately discipled. So yes, they've heard about the Jesus. They've heard about somehow, one way or the other, they've heard about the the gospel. So it's one thing to be evangelized, but the question is, are we a discipled nation? Are we a discipled continent? Some, even, even you've got some nations in Africa who claim to be Christian nations, you know, and then you, you begin to ask questions. If you look at how those countries are run or developing or not developing, you wonder, eh, eh, how Christian are these nations? Because when you adopt Christian principles, surely we must see some kind of prosperity over you. Fifth rationale, our desire is to keep 
the basics of the, of the gospel beautiful, and the main thing, the main thing is we plant churches. One of the things we're really doing in this church, as, as particularly as we plant, um, as, as, as we in the initial stages of church planting, is we just want to establish the right foundations and make sure that we've set ourselves in a place to actually um, be effective in, in what we do. So my anchor scripture for this morning is uh, Matthew 28 from verse 18. All right, 28, 18, 19, 20, your multi-generational pin. And this is Jesus speaking. The context here is he's risen from the dead and is just about to ascend into heaven. But this is one of the last things that he says to his disciples. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And when you do that, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. He gives a similar command in Mark 16, where it says from verse 15, and he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, so no exception. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And I love this part, it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. How many of you believe? How many of you believe in the name of Jesus? It says these signs will follow those who believe in my name. In my name, in the name of Jesus, they'll cast out demons. So we mustn't be intimidated by demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will speak, in other, in other words, they'll speak in, a, in, heaven, in a heavenly language. They will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. How many of you have got uh, somebody you know who's sick, who's not feeling well? The Bible says if you believe in the name of Jesus, these signs will follow those who believe and you are in that matrix. That they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so I'm encouraged by this, you know, this type of promises. In Luke 24, the promise, the command is reinforced. From verse um, 45, it says, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the, the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So it's interesting how Jesus the, just reinforces um, the, the command to go and make disciples, make an influence in the nations, is reinforced in the different um, Gospels. And so what does it mean? Let's unpack that a little bit more. He starts off by saying, all authority in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So basically what Jesus is saying is that the kind of authority and the term that is used for all authority there is actually delegated authority. And so he's basically saying the level of my authority, the depth of my authority, the power of my authority is just not just, uh, you know, it doesn't have earthly jurisdiction. It's just not about, you know, power and authority on earth, but I also have the same even in heaven. So he wasn't talking about the kind of authority that you would ascribe to an earthly king. He wasn't talking about the kind of authority that you would ascribe to a Caesar. He was not talking about the kind of authority that you would you know, ascribe to an MEC, you know, or to a, a, a president or a city premier. He was saying there's a particular type of authority that I'm leaving with you as my disciples so that you can continue the work that I've started and impact forever. 
That was the kind of authority that Jesus was talking of, an all-encompassing authority that could only belong and be delegated by a God. I think this is the time when we should say amen. I'm so encouraged when I know that the, the things that I do for the kingdom of God, even those signs that Jesus said would follow believers, that we do them and we carry them in the authority given to us by a God and not man. Isn't that wonderful? And then not only that, but what's also interesting in scripture is that Daniel, the same authority, he echoes it in his prophetic vision. In Daniel 7, it says, from verse 13, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages, that all people, nations, and languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So like Jesus or not, there are facts that will never change. His dominion will last forever. His authority will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. And that same authority is echoed by Daniel. So it says, all authority has been in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Because the authority is his, so he was able to give that command. It is important, and this is something I'd like you to grasp. It is important to note that go isn't the imperative command. If you study that passage of scripture in the Greek, you find that in the Greek, the imperative is on the command to disciple. So basically what we're saying here is that the emphasis was, yes, you can go, but the imperative, the crucial aspect of that scripture was the command to disciple. And how are we to disciple? Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. So in other words, the going, the baptizing, the teaching are the means by which we fulfill the command to actually make disciples. So it is interesting to know that for Jesus, it wasn't just about evangelizing. For Jesus, it wasn't just about people coming to a knowledge of his truth and accepting him as Lord and Savior. For Jesus, he was basically saying, guys, there's more to this. There is more to this. We need a maturity and a depth in the believers. We need the the church, we need the body of Christ to be a force to reckon with. That's why I started with those headlines. We need the talkability around Christianity and discipleship in our cities. We've been too quiet for a long time. It is time as Christians where we say, you know what, devil, you stop what you're doing. We're taking over. We're taking the fullness of this uh, great commission. We're taking the fullness of what the word of God commands us to do. And we're making sure that his word, his lifestyle, his purposes infiltrate our cities, infiltrate our organizations, infiltrate our schools. We want to make a difference in this community, in this nation, on this continent. And if we don't do it, then who? So he says, go, go do this. But the imperative was on the command to actually make disciples. And so the going itself, some, some of you might be thinking, yes, there's me and now when I go back home, I'm gonna pack my bags, you know, put them in a boot and start driving somewhere, someplace else. So the going can be in different forms. For some people, it's actually, yes, literally means that. Packing your bags in some season as God directs you to actually go to places, you know, where you can uh, um, um, evangelize, disciple, and make a difference. For others, it's not necessarily that. So the going part, it can actually be just sharing the gospel with those around us. Discipling begins with sharing the word of God. The fact of the matter is we are missionaries everywhere we find ourselves. Church is not these four walls. 
Let me remind you that. You've heard this before. Church is not this, okay, they're not quite four walls. I don't know, kind of like an eight or seven, yeah, in, in, this, in this kind of setting. But this church is you, the people. Church is us. Church and impacting is actually us taking the word of God out there. That's where life really happens. So we are all missionaries wherever we find ourselves in. You're a missionary in your family setting. You're a missionary in your family, at your dinner table, sitting with your spouse, sitting with your siblings, or sitting with your children. You're a missionary. Your discipleship even begins there. We Sometimes we have this misconception that, oh, I'm going to hear about discipleship and you know, be discipled just from the pulpit. We need to come out of that mentality, break out of that kind of thinking and out of that box and understand that church and discipleship actually begins even at your dinner table. Particularly for those of you who are parents, discipling your kids starts there, right at your dinner table. So impacting in the, in the different domains, sharing the gospel in the different domains, and these are family, education, in our schools, in our academic institutions. You know, that's really part of, part of my heart. Part of my heart is going to back to the academia. I love universities. You know, I love, you know, impacting on curricula that is taught in universities. And that's, that's really, one day I, I, I am going to go back. I am. I am going to go back. I've got a heart for academic institutions. So impacting even in the arena, in the domain of education, in the church, in government, all spheres of government, in business and economics, including agriculture, in health, science and technology, media and communication, arts, entertainment and sports. The going is also sharing the gospel even as you stand in the SARS queue or in a queue at the licensing department. I don't even know why I chose those two. Okay? In the boardrooms, you know, in the board in those manco meetings, in those exco settings. You know, it's about the, 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 the catch though is about doing it creatively. Sometimes what makes us irrelevant as boring as Christians is that we use the wrong strategy. So I'm not saying when you're in a board meeting or you're in an exco session and you're like, yeah, yeah, everybody, let's open our Bibles. No, 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 no. That might not just be the strategy. Okay. The Bible tells us that if any of you lack wisdom, what do you do? You ask God. We need to be the kind of Christians, if we're going to impact in these domains, we need to be the kind of Christians who ask the Holy Spirit for the wisdom to share the gospel, to disciple people, number one, creatively, number two, effectively, number three, timelessly. We need to be the kind of people who ask the Holy Spirit to say, how do we do it in this setting? How do we do it amongst this age group? How do we do it amongst this gender type? How do we do it amongst this race and culture? It ain't one size fits all. Yes, the Bible, the essence, the interpretation of the scriptures and so on, you know, that sticks, right? But the way, the manner in which we do it will vary from scenario to scenario. The question is, are we the type of Christian that knows how to do this effectively? Are we relevant in our approach? And so this is what we also need to do if we are going to be effective disciples of domains, effective disciples of our city. And if we ourselves are also going to be um, discipled um, effectively. As Go Christian Church, let me just make this very clear from the beginning. Our discipleship strategies or tools in this church are not going to be something that, ah, it's only Pastor Paul, Pastor Trace, or them that, you know, that will formulate them. You are going to be part of the think tank. And these are some of the things we'll be doing, particularly in our Joseph Friday settings, where we'll say, hey, guys, in this city, you know, what would be an effective discipleship tool? Then we become part of the think tank so that we use that which is relevant, okay? So we are in this together. Sisonke, all right, uns is yen. Hey, Jacques, I'm expecting, did I get that right? All right, okay, so we, we are in this um, together. The going is also in, evolve, in leading studies to help people learn to follow Jesus more closely. So maybe this is where you might even do it in your home setting or with your group of friends. And currently one of the tools you can use 
is you can use um, rebuild in those settings and we've got a couple of copies, these copies that you can uh, uh, collect from, from us. So that's also part of the going. The going is also in contributing financially to ministries and organizations that are spreading the gospel. The going is also in praying for the spreading of the gospel locally and abroad so that the kingdom of God can be expanded. The going, so, so those are some of the, the, the ways in which we can uh, outwork the going part. And like I said earlier, for some people, it will involve the physical going to different places. So the great com commission is to be loved, it is to be supported, it is to be advocated by all those who love what Jesus loves. How many of you in here love what Jesus loves? And what I like, you know, one of the, one of the, 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 the things Pastor Paul preached, I think about a week, or last week or the week before, he, you know, he said one of the ways we should utilize or when explaining scripture is uh, when he was talking, I think, about evangelizing Josie, you know, he was basically saying we need to ask ourselves questions like, was it, did Jesus say or did he do it in the, in the, in the can we see it in the Gospels? Do we see it practiced in the book of Acts? And do we see it explained in the, in the epistles? And there's a scripture in the book of Acts that I really like, and I think it supports this Matthew 8 commission. And that's Acts 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus was basically saying to his disciples, to his disciples, that power will not come through your own thinkings, you know, through, I don't know, you flexing your muscle or stuff like that. But power comes from the Holy Spirit. So as we pursue discipleship in our church, as we pursue discipleship in our city, in our nations, we need to know that for it to be successful, it is an endeavor that has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers our witness and not anything else or any other form of power gimmick. So we're going to live by what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit. So we do what we got to do and what we need to do is that we preach and we teach Christ's dynamic gospel. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit empowers the process. Powerful combo, amen. We are to be witnesses fulfilling the Jesus commands the Great Commission in all our cities, Jerusalem, our states and countries, Judea and Samaria, and anywhere else to the ends of the earth. So all authority, we're following this scripture, right? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus is speaking. Right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, groups, nor exceptions. Make disciples of all nations. And what I love about that particular term in that scripture is that Jesus' evoke, words evoke something more involved than simple evangelism. So he was basically saying we're looking at not just converts, but developing a maturity and a depth in them. Now it's very interesting when we talk about discipleship, it's important that we start by also looking at what discipleship is not, okay? What discipleship is not. So let's have a look at that. Discipleship is just not a person who once prayed the sinner's prayer or made a decision for Christ. There are thousands and millions of people who are in that situation. At some stage, somewhere in their history, prayed the sinner's prayer, made a decision for Christ. But that does not necessarily make you a disciple. Disciple is not someone who just claims to have been a Christian for a long time, not necessarily so. Someone who attends church services and programs, you can attend, especially now churches, you got churches who have like six services, just big churches, mega churches, six, attend them, wake up at 4 a.m., attend them, you know, from 4 to 8 or 10 in the evening, attend another five on Monday, choose two, another three on Tuesday, throughout the, that does not necessarily make you a disciple. 
A disciple is not just any good and moral person. Do you know that their religions who don't see Jesus as Christ as the Son of God, but they believe in moral principles? But they're not necessarily, so that doesn't necessarily make you a disciple. A disciple is not someone who knows the Bible too well. Some of you have got relatives. Some of you have been, have interacted with professors. I mean, they can tell you, you know, from they've studied Genesis to Revelation. That doesn't necessarily make them a disciple. A disciple is not someone who's necessarily in full-time ministry. Ah, oh, so just because you say, ah, oh, they're in full-time ministry, man, they must be a disciple. Not necessarily so. A disciple is just not somebody with a very special, supernatural ministry, and then you get, you know, attracted and think, oh, yeah, they must be a real disciple of Christ. Maybe not. Whilst all these things, or some of them may be good, but they do not necessarily equate to discipleship. So what does it really mean to be a disciple? Let's look at some of these characteristics. And as we do that, I want to encourage us to really humble ourselves and say, for me, them, as we go through these characteristics, where are my discipleship gaps? What are the areas or the things I'm lacking you know, that really prevent me from being an um, effective uh, disciple? So number one, a disciple is a learner, a student, and an, an apprentice of the things of Christ. So what we're basically saying is that the word disciple in itself means one who sits under teaching. And if we're talking about a disciple of Christ, we're talking about one who sits under the teachings of Christ. It is somebody who receives instruction, the instruction of Christ, it is a, a somebody who really learns and, and follows that which Christ teaches. Where I come from, I remember in the 80s, there was a guy from a small village. Now, I'm talking about a small village, okay? It's not like this guy was from Atlanta, New York, Sydney, you know, Bangkok, and all these other big places. From a small village somewhere in, 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 in central, like, you know, you know, central part of the country I come from. And he called himself Black Jesus. And the community gathered followers around him. And the community around him believed that he was actually Jesus. And, there were, and we started seeing these media reports, you know. And, but then when you, 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 we also heard like funny and dodgy things and concerning things happening in, uh, in, his, in, his, in his church. And you're like, uh, who are you? You know, why do you call yourself black Jesus? Who are you? We live in a world where revolutionary leaders and extremists have gathered followers around them for the wrong reason and taught them wrong things, dodgy, demonic, demonically inspired teachings. When we talk about the, a disciple of Christ, we're talking about somebody who sits under the teaching of the word, the teaching of the word of God. And my question to you this morning is how effectively do you grasp, how effectively have you said to yourself, you know what, I'm going to be one who sits under the teachings of Christ, not only in a Sunday setting, okay, but also in different teaching settings. And sometimes, what I like what it says here in, in James 1 verse 22, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In the NLT, it says, and remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you are fooling yourselves. So a disciple is somebody, your life when you're a disciple of Christ, it is a lifestyle that is more than learning, but also reflects a changed lifestyle. It also reflects the kind of lifestyle that corresponds to the teaching of the Word of God. So we're not just learning or sitting under the teaching of the Word of God so that ah, we can be knowledgeable, but so that our lives can be changed, so that we can have a changed lifestyle that actually conforms to the Word of God. My question to you this morning is, have you disciplined yourself to consistently sit under the teachings of Jesus and obey them? sitting under his teaching in church or other settings, and over and above that, systematically studying the word of God. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker 
who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. If we are going to be, I wanna, we, we are one generation that lives among an educated people. People are educated and clued up in their disciplines around us. And we are one generation that if we are effectively going to disciple nations and cities effectively, we need to know our story. We need to know our story. I want to tell you, you can't sit with somebody and now try and convince them that Jesus is king or want to disciple them when you've got a warped or not even sure yourself what the word of God says or what your, 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 your strategy or how you're going to do it you know, looks like. So we need to be diligent to study the word and explain our story right. We need to be the kind of disciples who actually have a continued learning attitude and culture. So we need to be learning. Remember, leaders are readers and learners. So we need to extend our learning to understanding not only you know, the things we're passionate about, but we also need to understand and be clued up around the domains that we're called to. So if you know you've got a heart for business, you've got a heart for the education domain, you've got a heart for science, health and technology, be clued up. It's just not the word of God. Be clued up because the real people we want to bring to Christ are the people who actually are so clued up in those areas and you don't even know what the domain is all about. You don't even know what God's heart for that domain is. You don't even know how to impact effectively in that particular domain. So we need to be clued up about the domains we are called to, about the things we're passionate about, and about our spheres of influence. This thing, I know there's grace. Sometimes, as Christians, we're too charismatized. Ah, there's grace, the Holy Spirit will help me. If you don't know, you don't know, my brother or sister. If you don't know, you don't know. If you're not clued up, you're not clued up, and you've got to be diligent enough to learn. And something I've always been challenging myself, like, them, you've got to be learning. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you need to know more. And so we need to be clued up because we live in a gen generation of educated people who know what their stuff is all about. My question is, how changed is your lifestyle in terms of being conformed to the image of God? Have you been walking this journey consistently? What are your shortcomings? What are you doing to resolve or work through them? In Romans 8 verse 29 it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So our job is in discipleship is just not to point out. Now some, as sometimes as Christians, we love you know, this notion of, ah, me, I'm there. I've been around for 18 years. Ah, I got saved in campus ministry. Ah, me, me, I know my game. I know my story. It's not just about pointing out in people, no, no, you sort this out, you need to work on this. No, it's also about looking at ourselves and saying, where are those gaps? Am I effectively taught? And am I learning? The heart of Jesus is that we become disciplined followers of him and systematically leading others to become that, to become that with a view of infiltrating all areas of our, of our society. So wherever you are, I want to encourage you, even as you are being discipled in this church and as you disciple others out there, Koto, I want to, you, want to encourage, oh, the question is, are you encouraging them to sit under the teaching of Christ? Malebo, are you in a position to say to the people you are discipling, hey, you know what, you've got you to learn. You've got to be clued up. You've got to be disciplined. In this, in, this, in this whole thing, and that's the call to, to, to all of us. Sean, are you in a position to say, you know what, is your lifestyle changing? Is something about your lifestyle changing as we go out there discipling people? And my heart for this church, my heart for Go Church, is that as we are disciple and as we disciple that we become diligent in studying the word of God, in calling out for the Holy Spirit to help us in revelation, so that we're not victims of false doctrines. I pray that as a church, will be those whose doctrine is pure, that exegetically will be on point, and that's in terms of outworking the gospel in our society and community that will be practically relevant. 
Let's not take out a gospel out there to people that is irrelevant. And they're like, ah, okay, I can understand. It's a bit complex, but how do I live this and outwork this in my today-to-day life? Making the gospel practically relevant. Being doctrinally pure. Being exegetically on point. Amen. Number two, a disciple is someone who has a desire to be like Jesus. And that's the big question to us. Do we really want to be like Jesus? Do we really want to disciple people so that they can look like Jesus? In Luke 6 verse 40, it says, The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. As we walk through a process of discipleship, we need to be inspired. Our greatest desire should be, you know what, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus in thoughts. I want to be like Jesus in speech. I want to be like Jesus in conduct. I want to be like Jesus in terms of the level of his passion and vision. I want to be the kind of person as I'm being discipled in this church and as I'm discipling others, I want to be asking questions like, how did Jesus do this? How did Jesus deal with difficult situations? How did Jesus, what was this, the nature, what, how did he relate to Father God? And as I learned that, as I desire to be that which Jesus was, I want to grow in my, in my walk and in my relationship with Jesus. A disciple of Christ imitates Jesus' examples, clings to his sacrifice, believes in his resurrection, possesses the Holy Spirit, and lives to do his work. I remember years ago I was in junior school, so I used to walk to school. I think I was about grade six, grade seven. I used to walk to school. So I'm walking to and from school. So I'm walking back home from school one afternoon, and there's a, there's a man like standing across the road. So he calls out to me, hey, you, are you, are you, excuse me, are you Chariga's daughter? So Chariga is my surname. So then I stop and I'm like, yes, I am. Then I walk a couple of steps, but then I decide to ask the man, how did you know? Okay, my, 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 you know, how did you know? And then he says, I could tell, this is a stranger to me. I could tell by the way you walk, by your step. Now, my dad will get to visit hopefully sometime this year, and I want you to watch the way he walks. He's got this, what we call in our family, a typing step. It's like a quick step of some, you know. And so the way he walks, when my dad comes watching, the way he walks and the way I walk, same banana, same thing, you know. And this guy who doesn't even know me calls out and say, hey, you are you, Tariqa's daughter. I'm like, how did you know? You walk like your dad. How about a city? How about a community when people would say, hey, you, are you a follower of Jesus? And you're like, how did you know your conduct tells me? Your thought pattern, the way you carry yourself, the way you, you bring strategies in, in our work situation or, you know, things we're trying to achieve. There's something about that, you know, that tells me you've got a multi-generational vision. There's something about that that tells me the way your power, your authority is not inspired by man, but there must be a higher power. Remember what Pastor Paul once said, that even in counseling situations, some people would say, uh-uh, there's a, there's a power you have. That's the kind of city we want. That's the kind of discipleship process we want. That's the, how we want society and community and nations and cities to read us. Those people, there is a higher power. There's something about them that reflects something about the nature of Christ. A disciple is somebody who desires to be like Christ. That's one of the key attributes. Number three, a disciple is someone who is passionate about achieving their destiny. In other words, their destiny in Christ. I like what it says in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And what I like about that scripture is that David affirms that the work of God 
in his life extended back to his development in his mother's womb. And so what this scripture tells me is that when God created us, he created us with a purpose. He created us with something in mind. He knew that in order to fulfill that which he wanted down on earth, you know, he would put certain attributes, you know, in you that are not necessarily the same attributes that are in the person next, next to you. So our discipleship process, your discipleship process involves a journey of understanding how you are wired. So if you're going to be passionate about the destiny that God has called you to, you need to know what that is. You need to know how you are, you are wired. And the key questions we have to ask ourselves as we discover our purpose or destiny in our discipleship journey or ask those we are discipling is questions like, what are you gifted in? What are your gifts? What are those things that you're gifted in? For some of you, your gifts are probably within the fivefold ministry. For some of you, they're not necessarily within that. But these are the questions we need to ask as we're going through this journey and answer, what are you gifted? What am I gifted at? What growth phase or life stage are you in? And as you ask yourselves, as you ask yourself that question, you know, ask yourself further questions like, what relationships are key in my life, in this life stage? What are those that I need to nurture? What are those that I need to exit? What are those that I need to terminate? Because when we answer those questions truthfully, they will help us to actually effectively um, fulfill our destiny. What are your talents? What do you naturally do? What comes naturally? What do people come to you for? What do you do with less effort? How's your brain wired? How do you think? You know, when I, when I, even if when you look at your siblings, the way you think and the way they think you think and the way they think you're like, ah, are we from the same parents? God has just wired him differently. What are you passionate about? What do you really love, love doing? Remember, without passion, talent will be dormant. Passion is like the engine in a car. You know, like the vroom, vroom. Okay, okay, some of you have got, I know you've got your white power. Don't you call them V6 or whatever? You know, some of us, you know, car, our cars are like 1.3. Um, thank you. You know, later, the, so maybe the vroom, vroom is like vroom, vroom, vroom. But passion is like the engine in a car. What is it that drives you? Those are the kind of questions when you answer truthfully and when you ask the Holy Spirit and people who know you well or are mentoring or coaching you, help you answer those questions and just help you discover, understand better what your destiny is. Because we're saying a disciple is one who's passionate about achieving their destiny. So what are you passionate about? Whilst we're talking about passions, we need to be very careful, you know, to make sure that we don't have passions that are not uh, that, are, uh, that, that our passions are not, if especially where passions become misdirected and are not linked to the call of God. What are your experiences? What is it that you've gone through or are going through in your life that will actually help you shape your destiny? And when we talk about experiences, we're talking about both negative and positive. Some of you have gone through some negative experiences, but that have made you better in certain ways. They've given you a certain revelation of the things of God that you probably never had. They've given you a certain understanding and a passion for things that you probably never had. So part of answering that question, what, am, what is really my destiny, what am I called to, is what are the experiences, both positive and negative, that you've gone through or going through that will just, might, might just be an indicator to what you're called to? What training and mentorship have you or are going through or need to go through? What have you learned to do? And sometimes this can, this can be both formal and informal. Most times, 80% of the time, it is no, you know, it might not even be in the direction of your passion, but what, whatever you've been trained in is actually not a waste of time, not necessarily a waste of time. But some of those things will also help you just discover what your um, destiny is. What is your individual style? You know that two people can have the same gift but different styles. So when we, in, when we embrace our individuality, it actually helps us to maximize our gift. 
I like what it says in Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may hold on to that which Christ has laid hold of me. For I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to us. Disciples are passionate about our destiny. You know, I've heard Christians who say, ah, oh, whatever will be, will be. You know, I don't know, I'll just see what God will. Do not live your life by chance. Do not live your life by chance. Because remember, the enemy is also determined to steal, to kill, to destroy the very thing that God has called you to. The enemy is also determined to bring in lies so that you can be drawn away from what God has called you to, from, what, from the passions that God has given you to. We need to be so kingdom focused to such an extent that we contend with that that God has placed in our lives. One thing I've learned about life is that you don't necessarily get what you expect, but you also get what you fight for. There's some things in the kingdom of God that are just not going to come on a silver platter. But are we determined to see and ensure that whatever God has placed in our hearts, we want him to help us achieve those things? Someone once said, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It is a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it'll beat you down to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you get hit and keep moving. Now, if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. But you've got to be willing to take the hits. And not pointing fingers saying, you ain't what you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that. And ain't you. You are better than that. We are a better people in God Church who understand that the world there is tough. We fight in forces. The Bible tells us that we fight principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness. We are also trying and achieve the destiny of the devil. But we got to be a people who say, you know what, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want to be the kind of people who will contend and fight for, for what God says we should fight for in his word. We're not going to give the devil an easy ride in this city. We're not going to let the devil take Jobert and shape it in a manner that he wants. We're going to be a people who rise up in the power and the vision and the passion of God and say, we're taking over in this city. We're making a difference. We're ensuring that the Holy Spirit is the dominant spirit in this city. We're ensuring that the doctrine, the word of God is what takes over in this city. We're ensuring that the domains are driven and led by the forces and principles of the word of God. Amen. Amen. My question to you is to what extent are you prepared to contend for your destiny? A disciple is someone who is passionate about achieving their destiny and raising disciples who do the same. Number four, a disciple is someone who is willing to enter into close relationship with other people. Mm. Disciples are made through personal relationships with others and letting others into our lives. We cannot separate the call, of, the call to discipleship from the call to community. There's got to be a healthy degree of vulnerability and accountability. We've got to learn to exist in a community. We've got to be the kind of people who are accountable to each other. And when I'm saying, when I talk about accountability, I'm not saying, you know, come to church and, you know, let everybody know what's going on in your life. There's a wisdom that comes to, with that. You know, some of it will be based on the trust levels that you, you build. And so you will have to use the wisdom of God uh, in helping you determine, you know, which accountability networks to form. But just some examples, those include like your spiritual cover, you know, your pastors, and for some of you who are married, also obviously your spouse, close friends, family members, community in cell groups, mentors, coaches, etc. So the depth 
or levels of accountability will vary with the relationship or the trust levels. But you've got to use wisdom. You've got to prayerfully say to the Lord, you know what? I'd like to form accountability networks. Show me where and how. And uh, because we've got to be a people who learn to exist in community. So I'm not saying, you know, let every Tom, Yaku, or Tabang, you know, know everything about your, your life. Be wise around it. And what are some of those um, examples of accountability tools? You see this in, in, in your notes. One of the, the tools, you know, with, we love using is called the spiritual health audit. And this is a, a good uh, tool to use within your, uh, some of your, your relationships. Okay, it talks about um, you know, historical issues. It asks questions like describe your upbringing. How do you come to know the Lord? Do you have any bom uh, time bombs or patterns of weaknesses you know, that are holding you back? Also talk, ask questions around your devotion, your stewardship, questions around your relationship, your marital relations, personal development, outreach, purity, just to help you um, in those accountability settings and teaching us to grow in community and, and relationships. One of the things I men mentioned earlier is that disciples, we need to see discipleship also in the context of families. At our dinner tables, what are we teaching? How are we raising our kids? In family settings, the different family settings, so we must also see it in those contexts. It is in these accountability settings that we learn to have quality conversations, difficult uh, conversations. We just don't want to be a people who are artificial. Ah, oh, we ask each other, you know, the, you know just you know, safe questions. But as you grow in accountability and intimacy with those people you trust and who are God-fearing, and by the way, when you set up or develop this accountability network, don't just do it with people, you know, who tell you what you want to hear, you know? But it also must be with people who God-fearing, people who really have a um, best desire for, to see you grow in, in the things of God. Five, a disciple is someone who's open to correction. Jesus often corrected and rebuked his disciples for their own growth and development. In Matthew 6, verse 26, he says to them, Why are you fearful, all you little of, or you, or you little or you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and seas, and there was a great calm. I mean, you know what, Lord? You know, there's this great sea and storm and maybe cyclone in that context, you know? And these disciples are lying and sitting there in the boat. And Jesus just gets up and says, ah, why are you fearful, oh you of little faith? This is what happens when you're dealing with the God of power, eh? In Mark 8, 33, he says, But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Like, Satan, yeah, suddenly, yeah, Jesus, I'm not Satan. Yeah. And, but there were times when you'd rebuke them so that they would grow and see him differently and understand what it was all about. A wise person is someone who can receive correction from others. Proverbs 10, verse 17. People who accept correction or are on the pathway to life are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore it will lead others astray. My question to us this morning is, how open are you to rebuke and correction? And the thing with rebuke and correction, not always comfortable. It's not always comfortable. But if you've positioned your heart aright, it always say to you, to yourself, you know what, I'm willing to actually grow and be shaped so that I can be a better person. How open are you to, re to rebuke and correction? I appreciate and I thank God for the relationships, some of the relationships I have around me of people, you know, will challenge me and will ask me questions, difficult questions, rebuke and correct me, you know? And I, I appreciate that because it helps me with my, with my own growth. A disciple is someone who makes, number six, a disciple is someone who makes other disciples. In Ephesians 1, 11 to 13, I made reference to that scripture. And he himself, before, he himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, 
some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for edifying the body of Christ. We just don't want to be a holy huddle, just a few, you know, us 13, 14, 18, 20, I don't know, and no more. But we want to be a people who disciple others, who disciple a city, who disciple domains. Making disciple, making disciples is helping a person know, follow, and become like Christ through an open and loving, uh, loving relationship. In Titus 2, verse 3 to 8, it says, The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men, to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say. In Philippians 3, it says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, Peter, uh, Paul speaking, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we have, we, we have given you. Many people focus on just one aspect of discipleship, but we also need to understand as we disciple and even as we ask questions, ask ourselves questions, you know, how relationally, emotionally mature are we? It's got to be a broad-based type of uh, discipleship if we're going to be effective in this, in this city. I like some of these quotes, uh, quotations um, on discipleship. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Hmm? The next one is by Oswald Chambers. It says, it is possible to know all about doctrine, yet not know Jesus. The soul is in danger when knowledge of doctrine outsteps intimate touches with God, with Jesus. Have I a personal history with Jesus Christ? The one sign of discipleship is intimate connection with him. A knowledge of Jesus Christ, nothing can shake. Wow. The next one is by Max Lacado. In our faith, we follow in someone's steps. In our faith, we leave footprints to guide others. It is the principle of discipleship. Another one by Oswald Chambers again. Our Lord's conception of discipleship is not that we work for God, but that God works through us. And I love this one by Brennan Manning. What makes authentic disciples is not visions, ecstasies, biblical mastery of chapter and verse, or spectacular success in ministry, but a capacity for faithfulness, buffeted by the fickle winds of failure, battered by their own unruly emotions and bruised by rejection and ridicule, Authentic disciples may have stumbled and frequently fallen, endured lapses and relapses, gotten handcuffed at the flesh ports and wandered in a far country, yet they kept coming back to Jesus. Billy Graham, salvation is free, but the cost, discipleship costs everything we have. As I conclude this message, I just want to raise a few points. First one is that, as the title of my message, growing, discipleship, growing Joseph beyond the, con the conversion experience. That should be our heart for discipleship in this nation and in this church. A disciple is someone who continues to grow beyond their conversion experience. So it's just not about being evangelized, but it's also moving effectively into what God has called us to we need to, as a church, develop disciple-making communities that move us in our walk with God. We need to become a biblically literate people who practically outwork the word of God out there. We also need to understand that when we exist in disciple-making communities, they help us to discover what true disciples are. 
Discipleship can be anchored in the different, in, in the different relational contexts, family devotions, creating intimacy that is safe and encouraging sanctified relationships. And the most important thing to remember is that discipleship is not a once-off process, but a lifestyle. We never, and we must be a people who never say, no, I've got it, I've got it all, you know, I can't be taught anymore in this, I can't become anymore in this. But that it is a process, it's a lifestyle, it's a culture, and that's what we want to create in this church, in this city, in our nation. Throughout the book of Acts, we see how the apostles began to fulfill the Great Commission First in Jerusalem, they evangelized. Then the Spirit expands the church through Judea and Samaria. And then they take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Today we continue as ambassadors of Christ. And we plead on Christ's behalf to the people, to our communities, to the domains. Be reconciled to God as it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. Even when Jesus concludes his command in Matthew 28, the final thing he says, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. So Jesus has promised to walk with us, to be with us, to guide with us, to inspire us as we pursue, and as we, as we pursue uh, discipleship in our nation and in our, in our city. Amen. Amen. Okay.